Good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Vine Community Church. We're very happy to have each and every one of you here with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we will get started with worship. Lord, we want to thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything that you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you'll continue to do. We just ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.
I'm standing with the rain on my face. Finding here such unusual grace. I'm waiting here. And standing where the mercy falls. I once was blind, but now I can see. Thank you. 
Shadow you all. 
everybody take a second and turn around and say hello to somebody. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. Our annual dessert auction is August 6th, after the 11 a.m. service. Free lunch for those who are staying to bid on the items. Come for lots of fun and to get some good desserts. The 2023 Women's Retreat is September 14th through 16th. Women over 18 are welcome to come, but you must register by August 6th if you want a shirt. See the information table for more details. Back to School Pool Party is Sunday, August 13th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We need help cooking and serving. We also need you to bring homemade cookies. Thanks for helping us show love to the kids of Franklin. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. All right, the robot sounds good. How's everyone? Good? Um, you saw all the things. We do. We did this last year. We helped another church, and then now we're it. So uh, we welcome all the teachers back. So we need to help that, that day and all the other things. And uh, b- baptized a bunch of people last week, baptized yesterday. So um, if you've decided to follow Jesus not been baptized yet, sign up for that. We'll do that at the end of the month, okay? Uh, I want to pray for Debbie's dad and family. Is that okay? And uh, there's a man that sits over here in seconds with name Ray. We want to keep him in prayer. Anybody else have a prayer request you want to throw out that we can pray for today? Your sister, okay. Okay, anyone else? It's like Wednesday night prayer meeting if you've ever been to a Baptist church. So, Okay, all right. All right, so let's just pray. Lord, we thank you uh, that you're good. And God, we trust you with all these people. Lord, we, we lay them all in, in your hands. We know, that, Lord, that... Uh, we trust you with them, God, and I pray that you'd bless the families. Give them grace as they walk through these things with them. And, Lord, we just uh, love you. Thank you that you gave Jesus for us. Thank you, Lord, that we have hope because of the resurrection. And, God, we ask you to bless the offering today, that you would just use it to glorify your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 5, 8. Romans 
demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Sorry about that. How are we doing? You guys all right? All right. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to continue our series here. And uh, stayed up way too late last night. So, you guys doing all right? All right. So, I always like to start off with a little bit of just kind of some silence. I don't know about you guys, but I... I get distracted during the week. I got stuff going on, crazy people in my life. And you carry it in here, don't you? You guys carry it in? You carry it around? I carry it around. So I always like to start off by having a a few moments just to center my heart, my mind, and to kind of open myself up to God's presence. Because here's the thing, God's always present. It's us who get distracted, yeah? So let's take a few moments and simply just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, and then we'll get going. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you just meet us here in this moment. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather and reset our lives week by week. So we ask that you just be with us, that you meet us here. We ask that you just open our hearts to your grace, to your love, to your faithfulness. 
And we just offer all of our frustrations, all of our fears, our guilt, our shame. We just lay it here. We offer it to you. And so we ask that you just wipe us clean. Free our minds, our hearts, so that we can enter into your peace. So we ask that you just bless our time. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, it says, Love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And so what I want to do this morning is we're just going to work kind of sentence by sentence. Good? You guys don't care anyway. You just smell that chili and you're ready for the cakes. And so let's begin here. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. I told this story a couple of weeks ago, but let's review it again. There's a story about this woman in the Gospels who's caught in adultery. And like I've said before, it takes two to tango, but they only bring one to the, to the party. And so within the framework of the Jewish culture and their ancient religion... This woman deserves death because of what she's done. And at the same time, the religious leaders are challenged by this Jesus because he seems to be messing up their system. And so they bring Jesus in front of this woman. They say to him, hey, listen, the law says that this woman deserves death. What do you say? And Jesus, he starts writing in the sand And he says to them, he says, listen, if you have no sin, then by all means, tee off on the lady. Throw your stones. And the the storyteller tells us that one by one, they drop their stones and they leave. And there she is, deserving of death, according to their culture, their law. And yet Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. It essentially says to her, hey, listen, look, girl, see where it got you? Like, this could have been bad, right? Anybody got teenage girls? So last night, last night, man, goodness gracious. I don't know what it is about moms and teenage girls, But I've had it up to here. I was outside looking for stones. I was going to come in and wreck the place. Right? And I don't know what it is between the two of them. They're either the best of friends or the worst of enemies. And it is constant. It's this constant tension. And they have a way. It's I don't know why or what. But they just have this way about them. And it's driving me insane. So I was furious last night. I was furious to the point where I just decided, you know what? You just need to leave. Just get up and just get in your car and just go. Montana's out there. There's things out there in the world. You could just go. And so I got in my car and I just started driving. Here's the thing. Often, whoa, often we choose the wrong ways to deal with the circumstances in our lives, right? 
often we choose, and it says here that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but celebrates the truth. And it's as if you and I, we have two paths, two choices every day. We can either live in the way of love, which is the first choice. Pat, if you can go to the next one. Or we can choose the way of sin, right? And I, and I, the way that I define sin is sin at the end of the day is selfishness. It's us choosing to do what we want to do regardless of how it affects anybody else, God or the people that we love. Does that make sense? And every day these choices are set before us. And so you live with these these women that are at each other's throats all the time. And I want to choose the way of sin. I want to choose the way of selfishness. I want to get the rocks and start throwing stones, right? And yet, Jesus calls us to, to, to walk in the way of love. Now, side note, I don't know if this happens to you, Dad, but I've noticed in my preaching life, it's almost as if Whatever I'm going to talk about that week, I get tested pretty hard beforehand. And I always have that in the back of the, my mind, like, Mark, you're talking, you're actually talking about this this week, right? And so we have these choices every day. Do I choose to do my own thing, to walk my own path, the destructive path? Because it's, one guy says it like this, it's heaven all the way to heaven, Or it's hell all the way to hell. And it's our choice every day to decide which path we want to be on. Right? And so, Paul begins this section of this letter, or of this, of the letter, by saying that love, love it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. And the thing is that this is hard in our world. Because Wrongdoing is rejoiced all the time, right? I, I want revenge. I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own person. I don't want to have to submit to loving these people in my life. I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to submit to, to having, to showing mercy to my daughter or, or to my wife or to my son or, or whomever it may be. And I want to choose the path of selfishness. I want to choose the path of sin. But I know that that when I do that, and and just as I know, I didn't plan on saying this, but the thing about sin is this, is that it's in us, it's in us, that inclination to do what we want. It's in us. And yet, when we act on it, it unleashes itself. It un- we are the agents of evil that un- unleash it into the world. Yeah? The writer of Genesis says it like this, that sin, God speaking to Cain in the story, that sin's like this lion that's outside the door, and it wants to come in. But you know what's going to happen if you let a lion in your house. It's going to wreck the place, right? And so we have to be able to say no and choose this path called love. And, and so every day those choices are set before us. And Jesus chooses love. God, God is love. And somehow as Christians we 
the day-to-day struggle is learning how to tap into the love that binds this whole thing together. Good? Make sense? The, the passage continues and it says this, that love bears all things. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is arrested in the garden. He is taken to his, his people's leadership and they try him and they, they falsely accuse him and they turn him over to the Roman occupation as a, as an enemy of the state, as a religious blasphemer. And he is betrayed by one of his best friends, a man named Judas. He is denied by his one of his other best friends, a man named Peter. And all of the rest of the twelve, they all desert him in this moment. Then he's taken and he's imprisoned. He's beaten. He's spit on. And he's taken before Pilate. And Pilate, Pilate is this Roman <clears throat> military leader who's in charge of the region of Israel. And he has to make reports back to Rome from time to time. And he's kind of on the hot seat because the Jewish people are just, they're wild. They're constantly trying to rebel and fight. And he realizes that if he kills this Jesus, it could possibly cause another riot. And he doesn't really want to deal with any of it. He wants to wash his hands of it. And he says to Jesus, he's like, listen, I have the authority to set you free or to kill you. So, like, if you just settle down and say that you're not the Messiah, then I'll just set you free and it'll be fine. And yet, Jesus says to him, he says, listen, the the only authority that you have or the reason why you have this authority is simply because my Father in Heaven has given it to you. And then he just goes silent. And obviously, Jesus understands his mission in the back of his mind. He understands that... That in some way this is in the cards for him, this death on a cross. And so what does he do? What does love do when the pressure is on? It endures. Yeah? It endures. Life is hard. You guys, is life hard for you guys? Life is hard. Money's tight. Like groceries, by the way. I've been going to the store lately. Is, gro- is groceries going up or my nuts? Right? Groceries are going up. It's always bad news. It's scary out there. Relationships can be complicated, to say the least. And if you're like me, sometimes I just want to throw in the towel. Jesus could easily say, listen, I'm not the Messiah, just let me go. I'm going to go back to the Galilee and fish or make some chairs Slow burn there. Slow burn on that one. And what does, but yet what does love do? It endures. It endures. I know, hopefully, that Amber and Annabelle are going to get out of this phase. So what does love have to do in the meantime? It endures. It holds on. And, and so, <clears throat> When it comes to 
the frustrations of our jobs, the relational strife, perhaps our finances aren't where we want them to be, perhaps our retirement's not where we want it to be, what do we do? Do we throw in the towel? Or do we tap in to this power that Jesus taps into? Do we open our hearts to the love that God has? And do we continue to step forward and walk the path of love, shining this light to a world that's, that's in darkness a lot of the times? And so Jesus here, he, he understands this. He understands this power of tapping into this love, and he endures. Love endures all things. But not only that, love also believes all things. There's that moment with Pilate, but about 24, 30-something hours beforehand, Jesus is with these guys, and he's having a meal. And he's explaining to them what's going to happen. He's explaining to them that, hey, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to die. I'm going to go away and... One of the disciples like, where are you, where are you going? How are we going to get there? And I imagine that Jesus knows that they're going to mess it up, right? I imagine that Jesus knows that, hey, these guys are going to fumble the ball here in the next couple hours. And yet, there's this beautiful passage in John where Jesus prays for them in this setting. He prays that they have, <clears throat> that God gives them the courage and the grace to sustain what he's taught them, to share it with the world. Jesus believes in them, right? Now, to believe all things, I, doesn't, I don't think it means that you just believe all things, like anything anybody tells you, right? Back to my daughter again. I have two children. I have my son, Evan, and my daughter. Evan couldn't lie if you paid him. When he was a little kid, he drew something on. I, I remember what it was. He, we, he drew something on his ceiling fan. I don't know how he did it. But he had like, you know, he has all this little light and the little globe that goes over the light. And he drew like a smiley face or a sun or something on the light. Must have like stacked some boxes. I don't know how he did it. He comes down the stairs and he says, he calls me Beardy, by the way. He doesn't call me, he's, he hasn't called me daddy since like, he started calling me Beardy like when he was three. He comes down the stairs, he's like, Beardy, I've done something terrible. And I'm, what the heck, did you kill the dog? Like, what did you do? How bad could it be? He takes me up the stairs, shows me the light. I'm so sorry. Like, who cares? It's cool, right? You made it look like the sun. So my son, he doesn't lie. Now, I'm sure he does, but he's, he's a pretty truthful person. You could catch my daughter knocking this down. That's exactly how she would do it, by the way. She's a wrecking ball of a human being. And you could be like, Annabelle, don't do that. And she would be like, I didn't. And you're like, what? 
I just saw you. No, you didn't. What do you, what, what, there's not, what's a water, there aren't water bottles, dad. That's not a real thing. Like she'll take it that far. So I don't believe everything she tells me. I don't believe everything she tells me, but you know what I do? I believe in her. I believe in her. I believe it's a phase. I believe that with the right guidance, that she will be an amazing person at the end of the day. Does that make sense? And so love believes in people. Regardless of the way that they act sometimes. Now obviously we need to have boundaries and, and wisdom and we don't want to be around toxic people that are going to abuse us and that type of thing. You know, if you're in a toxic relationship and this person says, I'm going to change and you know they're not going to change, you need, they need to earn it back. Right? They need to earn it back. Sometimes we burn bridges with one another and it takes two to build, rebuild the bridge and if they're not willing to rebuild back to you, then by all means, you can love them from a distance. But love believes in people. Does that make sense? And and so Jesus is here and he knows these guys are going to fumble the ball here in the next few hours. And yet he prays for them. He asks God to guide them. He believes in them. Which leads to the next thought. Love hopes all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. There's a story in the gospel that Jesus and his disciples are going across the Sea of Galilee and the storm rises up. And you and me, it's just a storm, right? We live in the 21st century. We understand science. We understand the way the weather, weather patterns work and, and all those types of things. And and a storm's going to come through and it's going to make things wait. But the, the ancient mind didn't understand that. Not in the same way that you and I do. And so they, in their head, they're under a curse. The waters of a storm, they represent chaos. They even believe that there are these, these creatures, these dragons that lived under the seas. The, the, the viathans that, that were represented evil incarnate. And so they are, there's no hope for them in this moment. There's no hope. Waves crashing down, lightning striking, thunder, the storm. It's complete chaos. And they have no hope. Except hope is sleeping at the bottom of the boat. Yeah? And so they wake him up. Hey, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Don't you understand what's going on here? And Jesus comes out, and what does he do? Hope calms the storm. Love always hopes. And it calms the storm of their life. Perhaps right now you're in a storm. Perhaps right now the waves are crashing in. Perhaps right now you feel like, man, this boat's going under. And the enemies of hope in our lives, at least in mine, are two things. One, fear. And the second one is heartbreak. 
fear and heartbreak. I saw my mom look at dad. She didn't hear me that second part, so I had to say it again. The fear of the unknown can smash our hopes. Right? I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for this bill. I don't have an answer for this situation. So I have no hope and I have to, I have to deal with it. Or maybe it's work. It's a situation at work or a person at work and you have no hope for the relationship. It's like going to a, a death sentence every day. And so you dread it. You hate it. Or maybe it's a relationship at home. You hate going home. And so the fear of the unknown, the fear of the chaos of the storm, as soon as I come home, that storm's gonna unleash. How do we deal with that? Well, love, hopes, all things. But maybe for you, if you're like me, you've had heartbreak. You've prayed for that person and they didn't get well and they died. You prayed for that job. You prayed for God to <clears throat> provide in a particular situation and it didn't seem to happen. You lost that whatever it was that you were reaching for. And so if you're like me, the reality of heartbreak can steal the hope that we have from us. And yet love hopes all things. And so we surrender our hearts to love. We get out, we have to get out of the way. At least that's the way I experience. Like there's what Mark wants to do. And God's behind me wanting to intervene, but I'm blocking him from the circumstance with my own control. And what I've learned over the years is that sometimes I just have to get out of the way. Let him to clear a path and then get behind it. Yeah? And so love hopes all things. And finally, love endures all things. There's this interesting turn that Jesus takes in the Gospel of Luke where it says that he set his face towards Jerusalem. It's like there's this moment in his ministry where all of a sudden he realizes that all roads lead to the cross. And on that path, he endures all things. Love endures all things. As the gospel writers and as Paul and James and and the writers of the epistles began to reflect on what it meant that this Jesus died on this cross, they saw this connection to their religious tradition. Within the Jewish context, they understood that they were somehow living in relationship with God, and yet they also understood that somehow their behavior became a block to the relationship. And so over time, they developed this tradition of sacrifice. They wouldn't, and, and the, all, all of the ancient world, they developed this, this tradition of sacrifice, this ritual of sacrifice, where they would bring an animal to an altar and sacrifice it, and that somehow 
in their primitive minds that this blood that was shed, it would be sprinkled in the various places, perhaps in a temple or or on on something, and that this that there was life, like life was in this blood, and that this life that was in this blood it cleansed the corruption that we all take part in, right? Because I don't, I take, you guys take part in it? I take part in the evil in this world. I'm to blame as much as anyone else for the way that this world works and the way that it looks. We all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God as, as Paul says, right? We all take part in the evil. And so the, the ancient mind, as primitive as it seems, they, on a subconscious level, understood this. And develop traditions and rituals to deal with it. And one of those rituals is a sacrificial system where they would take the life of the blood and sprinkle it. And they were good, they were good for a year. In their mind, they were good for a year. As the ancient, or as the gospel writers and the epistle writers began to reflect on this Jesus being hung on a cross, they, they started to connect the dots of, wait a minute, somehow, this is this is like that. Somehow this Jesus, this God-man dying on this cross, somehow he's like that. And, and, and they began to articulate this understanding that, that all of the corruption and evil that had taken place from the beginning of time to this moment on the cross, and all of the corruption and evil that will take place from this moment on the cross until... The end of time. That somehow all of it, and even the side note, the Jewish, the Jews had this tradition where they would take another lamb and they would pray and they would, they would place their sins on this goat. It was called the scapegoat and then it would carry their sins away out of the village. That somehow they started to make these connections that all the evil that we've, that they have done previously in history and all the evil that will take place in the future toward eternity or whatever that means, that it was all being placed on this Jesus on the cross. And that somehow, some way, through this death and resurrection, that his blood cleansed. It's an ancient idea, metaphor, whatever you want to call it. But somehow this Blood cleansed all of us. And that we can either say yes or no. We can continue to live in our frustrations, in our chaos, in our brokenness. We can continue to choose the path of sin and selfishness and what you see is what you get in your life. Or we can say yes to love on the cross that endures all things. And, like maybe you don't feel like you can endure it right now. Like I, that's how I felt last night. I can't endure this much longer. And Mark by himself can't endure it much longer. Like I'm telling you, I can't endure it much longer. But, Mark connected to Jesus can. Mark connected to Jesus on the cross says, 
I hear the voice of Christ in my heart saying, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's just hormones. Yeah? Does that make sense? And so, to recap, love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And then in verse 8, it says that love never fails. Amen? You guys done? I'm done. Two questions. What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? What does it look like to get out of the way and allow love to empower you in life? And so we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this, and then we're going to share communion together. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments. Right. If you have one of these, grab it and take it out. Every week we take part in this ritual as a, as a reminder of who we are and whose we are. And that we are welcome at Jesus' table. And every week we pray this prayer as a, as a way of reconnecting our hearts to God and opening our, our heart and mind to Him. And so pray this prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And we're reminded that we are called to take part, that we are called as the body of Christ to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look at the person next to you and say, the body of Christ is broken for you. Now the cup, the blood of Christ that is shed for you. Right, good deal. Let's all stand. Grab hands with the person next to you if you like. I'm going to have to loosen the, the top of that water bottle for the second service, so I can get the same effect. That worked really well. But uh, if you're interested in the cake auction, come on back after the 11 o'clock, and there'll be some chili and some cakes that you can buy. So who's Who's the auctioneer? Is mom the auctioneer? You should hear how fast she can talk. It's amazing. You guys remember micro machines? It's like that. If only. All right, let's pray. So, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this love. We thank you for this love. May we learn to tap into it. May we learn to bear all things, believe all things hope all things, and endure all things. May we embrace the reality that love never fails. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you be with us this week. We ask that you guide us and keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. See you guys.